वेलकम टू दी अनटाइटल्ड कार प्रोजेक्ट पॉडकास्ट योर वन स्टॉप शो अबाउट इंडियन कार केपेबल ऑफ गिविंग डोमिनिक टोरेटो और रन फॉर इज मनी विद सीरियल गैरहेड सिद्धांत एंड शिवम यो वी गो Prithvi Ray how are you sir I'm great I'm great thank you guys thank you so much for doing this it's really a pleasure to talk to you all same here the pleasure is ours and uh, how have you been how's the covid situation been for you how are you sort of navigating through it yeah well the covid has been difficult i mean you can't go outside the house much i try i've got elderly people at home so i'm trying to keep them quarantined as much as i can work you know now that the companies know that you don't have a life to go back to after work so everybody's being worked doubly hard i mean it took a bit yeah. of time but you know i guess the mentality in india is a bit of a diff- unless you see your employees in front of you you generally are un- uncomfortable bosses so it took a while to get the you know the paradigm changed but it eventually work is working out nice i mean people are happier working at home and i'm happier as a boss that i can actually ask them to work late <laughs> so <laughs> it's a mixed bag you know So I, I do you often find yourself burning through the midnight oil Yeah yeah the oil the work I mean see my work is slightly different from the regular 9 to 5 so I it's more project based so sometimes when there's a project which has come up like high critical project it goes on till like I've been on conference calls for 7 and 1/2 hours straight so <laughs> yeah so yeah it's That's a lot but, Yeah that's a pro- that's something you get used to I mean that's how how at least the, my job works like that so how do you get used to 7 and 1/2 hours and then working on your car as well yeah see, right now unfortunately or fortunately for me i sold the skoda the lora to a very dear friend of mine friend yeah that's the tabai that's a, that's, that's an interesting nickname you know it was given we'll to, get it, to but... that. we'll get to that yeah 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 we'll definitely talk about the tabai yeah no i mean the car is working i mean whatever i little i can do on the new car the rs245 it's still a baby right now it's still stock and just trying to figure out what it needs driving it daily you know taking it, i mean i got it about 2 months ago i've done about 2100 kilometers on it so so far it i just try to make sure as much as i can drive it as much as i can otherwise it just stagnates you're still breaking into the new car you're like yeah, let yeah, me keep it know. stock for a while No, no, I'm not going to keep this talk. Not that is not going to happen. You know, there's a particular way. I, I mean, there is no particular way of going about modifying a car. Everybody has their own way. My way comes from my experience of modding cars for so long, and I have a particular way of going about it. First six thousand kilometers, I try to keep it as stock as I can, unless there's some glaring issues that I feel that need to be addressed. Because you know, if, if your car, if your car from the factory survives six thousand kilometers. then all the issues that could have come up from the original car or from faults in the original parts have already come up so yeah. you would know if something isn't working right within the first 6000 kilometers and then you can start modding it then you can go all crazy about it it doesn't at least from my perspective it doesn't make sense starting to mod a car from day zero it's you, know, yeah. you, you just bought it at least enjoy it 
So when we spoke on the phone initially, um, you told us that you know you basically start got into this uh, back when you were in the US while you were studying, and uh, I, I'm actually in, sort of interested to learn that what car or could be a bike as well that you know yeah. you saw and you felt okay, you know what, I have to you know learn more about this. I have to sort of understand what goes on behind. assembling such a beast what was that hmm. particular oh this is it a moment for you see you know for cars i mean i have always been fascinated with machines you know since i was a kid i was taking things apart i mean initialized i started by taking things apart then i got kept on getting beaten up by my parents because i could not put them back together so as a intelligent or at least i would consider myself a little intelligent kid i decided to do take it slowly i would take I dismantle something only up to a point where I can reassemble it again. Reassemble it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. as time progressed, I became pretty good at it. I mean, I became the house's handyman, and <laughs> you know that's that's where the putting things together came in. As far as cars go, my father was a huge car freak. I mean, he 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 loves cars now. He's a lot older, but when he was young, he used to love cars. You know, so it's definitely in he, the family. It's in the family. He prefers the stock cars. I prefer modified cars. That's the difference. He is the more of a rear wheel drive guy, and I'm more of oh. a all wheel drive guy. I mean, I've always been all wheel drive guy. Unfortunately, I, right now I don't have an option of all wheel drive, so front wheel drive it is. It's maybe that can be the work that you eventually do it on your. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh that that is planned. That's already planned. I have very, <laughs> very smartly maneuvered my father into buying a Tiguan Allspace, which is the four wheel drive version of the same car. I mean, yeah. so eventually, when he gets bored of it, the wheelbase is exactly the same. The rear exactly is the same. So I can easily. It'll take a while to do it. It's not an easy process, but I can transplant that drivetrain into my yeah. Octavia RS. So yeah, everything is a plan. Everything is a long plan. Yes, I mean, like you were saying, you no. Know, as far as the U.S. car scene goes, right now, I was always interested in driving. I, my parents were very strict. Uh, that they they were very clear. Until you're 18, there's no driving for you. So when I when I'm 18, get into driving school, get your driving license, then we will decide what car you get. And <laughs> unfortunately for me, by the time I got graduated from school and got my driving license, it was time to go abroad. So the only car I mean they never bought me a car. They I was using my sister's automatic Zen. I mean I think that was one of the first automatic Zens in India. And so that's where the The bug started. I mean, it's a fantastic car, you know. The then, although the auto was a pretty terrible gearbox, but it for as a beginner, I think it's much easier to learn an automatic car than a manual car because you're you've got one less pedal to worry about. You're just focusing on yeah. getting the feel of the car, yeah. you know, getting your inputs right, you know. Unless when you throw uh, another manual into a uh, clutch into the mix with just a brake and accelerator, you're adding more confusion. So I learned yeah, on an automatic car. I learned on my sister's automatic Zen, and my uncle who had just come back from Hong Kong, he also could not drive a manual. So he had the automatic S Team. I think it was called the Maruti Thousand back then. Thousand back then. So, yes. Yeah. So he had a Maruti Thousand. So I used to kind of bribe my driver with some mithai and cigarettes, and we used to <laughs> steal my uncle's car and run away to learn driving. <laughs> so eventually, when my dad did find out, it was very actually very interesting thing that happened. So when I one day I my driver used to come and drop us to school, and my school although it wasn't very far off, but it used to have a couple of uh, main roads to cross. So my mother was a little paranoid about us walking down. So 
one day as usual i was the late i was a, i'm a late riser i can't get up in the morning i just don't like getting up in the morning so i decided to my driver showed up and my sister decided to leave me behind and that was a critical day for my exam or something and i knew if i missed it my mother would kill me so then i realized you no know, then the driver didn't come back and i had to get to school on time so i my uncle's car was parked outside i just took the keys my mother was flam flabbergasted what are you doing i'm like i'm going to school he's like how are you going to school there's no driver I'm like i can drive he's like he just stood there at the gate <laughs> oh, completely yeah. dumbfounded thinking what the hell and i just took the car and went off <laughs> and that's the end of it you know when i came back home my mother was screaming at my father my father was completely confused although and then she was still telling him that you need to go and school him how can he take somebody's car and drive so then i think i that i saw dad coming towards my room but then he stopped he went outside looked at the car came back and the only question he asked me from where do you learn to drive i'm like i am not stupid i wouldn't take a car if i didn't learn to drive he's like yeah but where did you learn to drive i didn't teach you i know i know i know all of my driver taught you so whose car have you learning or been learning or driving so yeah that's that's how it started for me automatic zen and automatic maruti 1000 So yeah, I I would love to talk about the Tavai since we've gotten to the talk, gotten to started talking about the cars and also I would love to talk about Tavai and get to know what Absolutely. actually went in the working of you know making of the Tavai. Yeah, you know what was the Tavai was kind of an know? accident. It was an accident more or less because when I came back to India, I left US in two thousand nine and I came back to India because I had an option to stay there and continue for the another six years without coming back home to get my green card. or i come back to india and i start pursue a career in india and i like india too much i got to I'm, i guess i'm too desi so as the saying goes i know a lot of my friends who stayed back there and are doing very well for themselves and i guess i had a mentality i was going to come back home i never could uh, adapt to a country which is which is foreign to me no matter how much english i can speak or how much baseball or you know rugby i like i can never i'm my roots are here and that's where i wanted to be so i decided to come yeah. back here and when i came back here we didn't have any good cars at all i mean there was the only car that irked my eye at that point of time there were two cars which i really wanted to buy one was the ford fiesta i think fiesta had the s fiesta s they had 1.6 yes. and then the other one was the octavia rs the original one the the, the box shape one, yeah. one yeah so by the time i found a job by the time i got to my feet to save up enough money to buy my own car I first went to went to buy the Octavia RS and it was sold out. They had just discontinued it, so I'm like shit. So then next, I think I next thing I after uh, one depressing weekend of alcoholism, I said fine, let's go and buy a Ford Fiesta. So I went to buy the Fiesta and guess what? The weekend that I spent drinking and moping about not being able to buy the Octavia RS was the was the weekend when the last Fiesta S had sold out and Ford had discontinued it in India. Oh my <laughs> so, yeah, so. I ended up with a i20 petrol automatic manual, okay. manual petrol, manual five-speed petrol i20. I think they just launched the what is it, Asta i20, Asta 1.2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, I was like, you know, I'm not used to driving in in traffic in India, and Dad had big cars, and I don't like his. I mean, we have a relationship where I don't drive his cars as, unless I can afford to replace them if I crash. And at that <laughs> point in time, I couldn't afford to replace the 530i. <laughs> at least in indian rupees so, so I, i bought the i20 i drove it around for a bit got used to it and then one day i, was, I think i'd gone to the dealership to i had the order no i had 
yeah, my friend had had asked me to come to Skoda dealership with him, thinking that he has a surprise for me. So I had gone to the, I went to the dealership and I saw the Lora, for one point eight TSI, I think it was yeah, the, it's yeah, called yeah. the Ambient Edition. I was like, okay, he's like, I'm like, yeah, ठीक है तो है डीजल गाड़ी है क्या नहीं यार ये पेट्रोल है. Okay, this is interesting. Petrol me kya hai? Like it's a 1.8 liter turbo. I said, oh, that's okay. I know a lot about turbo cars because I've been uh, screwing around with turbo cars in the US for uh, almost a decade back back then. So then we test drove it. I loved it. I was like, wow, this is something I can work on. And I drove that car. I bought the Lora TSI, uh, the black uh, black color car it was, and I've been driving it. I It was nice. It was fun to drive. I had, I had almost forgotten how it felt to drive a somewhat fast car in India, because you're stuck in an i20, and once in a blue moon, I take the 530i out. But that was just is too bulky a car to drive in traffic. So I would weekend maybe go for a drive. So I started with that. Then the Lora VRS came out, and I was like, I was hoping that they would have gotten a two liter in that, but they gave the 1.8. So 1.8. Yeah, so I decided to pick it up. It was, uh, I mean, it didn't sell very well initially because their price is very high. I think they launched at sixteen and a half lakhs. It went up to eighteen and a half lakhs. Then they couldn't sell it for a year, so then they eventually gave it off at about fourteen lakhs. So I bought the car for twelve and a half lakhs, and brand new out of the uh, out of the showroom. It's been sitting there for a year, but still. And then we got started on trying it. I, Around the same time, BIC also had opened up to public, so they had started doing public track days, and I was like, okay, you know, there is an opportunity. I had kind of given up on my motorsport passion when I came back to India because there was not any scene over here. People were primarily into rallies, and I'm not a very good dirt driver, and I can't build dirt cars, so I stayed away from that. But autocross and all was happening, but they were very small scale. So when BIC opened up, I was like, okay, fine, this is not a good, not a bad idea. So they had done the first public track day, and I took the Laura Vias there, and I thought that no, I was not alone. There were a whole bunch of other people who were equally excited about cars because in my school friend circle there aren't many people like me who are into car enthusiasts. And as you guys know, we are a kind of unique bunch, right? You know, That's we right. are yeah. kind of outcasts in our own circles until we meet somebody who's a car enthusiast, <laughs> and then it's like exactly. uh, in Bengali there's a saying which goes "Ami bhalo, tumi bhalo, baki sab gaddi mein dalo." So, <laughs> so, so that's essentially what happens when two car enthusiasts meet in a party, and here on BIC, all of a sudden you had 50, 60 people who were equally, if not more, excited about driving their regular cars on the track, and that's when we got started on building the car. We're like, you know, this is a a 1.8 turbo petrol engine we started doing my i started reading up a lot because the first thing you need to understand before you when you start modding cars is can you mod a car in a budget you know yeah. any car that's the first question anyone budget. would ask yeah and any car can be modified to make any amount of horsepower provided you have the money for it now true. the way i have been modding modify my cars and this comes before the dubai Uh, is that I try to find a good base car, and in India, the best base car that you could find, which would give you the best dollar per horsepower or rupees per horsepower at that time, was the Lora, and because that's the only car with a petrol turbo engine, it was cheap, it was affordable. There, I did my research, I figured out it was the same as a Golf 1.8T, and Volkswagen has a pretty large aftermarket community, and 
Yeah. I started talking to various vendors over here. At that time, there were only two vendors. There was Autocycle in Delhi, who was one of the vendors who were dealing with this car. And Pete's in Kerala, again, one of the, one of the only other vendors. Yeah. I started talking to them. We got talking, figured out what can be done with the car, what can't be done with the car. And at that point of time, Pete's had just pumped out three examples of their, you know, the cheap build, expensive build, super expensive build for the Laura. So I went there, went to Kerala, drove all three cars. I was blown away by it. Because I come from a JDM world. I have owned Evos, I have owned STIs, I have owned uh, Legacies. I have never owned a Volkswagen or any German car before I, German. the Laura. So, and they work very differently. You know, they may be both be two liter turbocharged cars, but the way a Mitsubishi or a Subaru generates its power and the way the engine is designed is very different from the way a Volkswagen engine is designed. So it took me a while to figure that out. I, I didn't want to jump into modifying the car immediately. I first had to understand what what is it that did make this car tick? Why is it so popular? Because I hadn't, I mean, I, I used to race these cars, race against these cars in the US, but I never, I always looked down upon them. Like, eh, bloody golf, you know, I'm in my Subaru, 450 horsepower Subaru STI, and like, eh, bloody golf, fuck off you. <laughs> so, excuse my language, yeah. So, uh, now that I was stuck in one, uh, I was like, okay, fine, let's try to figure out how to, how this works. So, we started taking it apart. You know, Going, pulling things apart slowly to see what, what is how the engine works. What, what are the sensors the ECU relies on? What are the limits of those sensors? You know, it involves a lot. It's not as all glorious as it seems. It's just, it's about basically taking apart the cars, uh, the belly pan of the car, looking at all the sensors, what sensor is where, reading the part numbers, going on to Bosch's website because Bosch was making parts for all German cars. So, yeah. I mean. From everything from a BMW to all the way to a Bugatti, will have a Bosch sensor on it. So you go to the Bosch sensors, Bosch's website, look up the part number, understand the limitations of the sensor, and then speak to the speak to tuning company who's who was at the time developing maps for these cars and saying that no, this is the limitation of the sensor. Can you guys? How close can you guys get it to the limit without compromising yeah. the engine? Fortunately, I didn't have to go that far because this was a pretty popular platform in the in Europe. The Octavia in Russia is very very popular car. So there was whatever I wanted to do, somebody had already done it. Done it. So yeah. it's just about going through the various forums that have information on this car and learning about what they, what is what is the end goal. We started off with just making it a handling car. I wasn't very sure that these engines would last very well on Indian petrol. So yeah. we first. The first mod I put on the car was the exhaust because it was too quiet. So we made it loud. Then we dropped it. We, but I guess I was the first guy in North India to get a coilover system back then. Nobody had even heard of coilovers. Everybody was like, oh, springs lagao. So yeah, all springs kato or refill dampers. Yeah, yeah. So I got the coilover because thanks to my experience in the US, I knew how to at least make a car handle the way I want to. I may not be, may not be that great a driver, but I can still build cars as to handle the way you would want to want it to handle. So we put on the coilovers and we went went on track. And I have a video of one of my friends at that point in time. He also had a similar car. He had the 1.8 TSI Passat, which was the same engine, a slightly yeah. stiffer chassis. And he had a stage one map and just a software map on it. And we, we said, we're like, you know, let's see who, if I can outrun you or you can outrun me. So it was, even though it was a track day in which there's no race, you're just racing against yourself, you're just timing, 
to I actually kept up to him, kept up with him, and he's a very aggressive driver. You know, I consider myself a significantly tame driver. I could, you would call me a pussy when I'm on track because I don't want to. I love my cars and I don't want to push them to the limit. If a car can go 100, I'll go 60, maybe 70 if I don't like the car that much. But I'll never yeah. go 100. And this friend of mine, he goes 110 on his cars. So we. We did a few laps, and it was very clear that I, I I kept up with him. He could not pull away from me, even though he had the power advantage. And because he was such an aggressive driver, I was a little scared of overtaking him in the corners. So eventually, yeah, I, there was no way he could pull away from me in the corners. He would pull away from me in the straights, and by the time we ended up on lap, ended up on the last corner of the circuit, I'd be right on his tail and about to overtake him. So that's when people also. Noticed that, and I was like, "Oh my God, how is the stock Laura staying with the staying with the 210 horsepower Passat?" I mean, and that's when things got interesting. We started, you know, this platform has potential, and slowly but steadily we started building. You know, as track days got more regular, people also got more interested, and I also revived my interest of you know improving the car as a package. Right, I wanted to get better lap times and. In, so did you even put a uh, ECU this thing? What ECU were you running? Was it stock or did you get a standalone? Stock okay, ECU. Entire, entire time. Entire time. Yeah. There's okay, no point time. of running a standalone ECU on these cars. Okay. So first we went about fixing the handling of the car because there was a lot to be desired from the way it handled. And then I was coming from Evo and STI, so I was used to handle having a car which was stuck to the ground, which would do exactly what I tell it to. And not complain. And here I was in a front-wheel drive car, which would understeer in the corner, understeer which, which would, yes. and it was a long wheelbase car, so it would, the tail would nicely slap around like a fish. So we had to fix that, all of that. So we started with the suspension. Once we got the suspension right, then we put in a downpipe and went to stage two, which is about 220 horsepower. And then we figured out that the car is phenomenal at that point. You know, it was a very reliable car. It was performing well on track, and but the brakes left a little to be desired. So the next modification was the brakes. So we put yeah. on the I think a six-piston caliper from Tarox. I think that was the only company in India which was making available in India which was making brakes for these cars. Had I had an option, I would have gone for Brembo. But Brembo, firstly, was very expensive, and very because expensive, the importer. True. Porter was in Bombay, and Tarak was equally, if not better. So we put on a set of Tarak kits, and the way we built it up was every time we would change something in the car, we would take it to the track, time it, do our lap time. I put in my best effort. It'll take me about two, three track days to actually max the car out. You know, you change something, the car's handling changes, the car's power delivery changes. So you go to a track. It takes you a bit of time. I'm not a super driver, so I, it takes me a bit of time to understand. What limit has changed and what has gone where, and then do that, drive it around, figure. Okay, fine. Now, every time you change something in the car, which is which from stock to aftermarket, then something else which is weakens. So it's a yeah. it's the car is designed with components which are designed to work with each other. If you have a soft suspension, you're gonna have soft bushes. If you have soft bushes, you're gonna have body roll. If I yeah. stiffen the mm-hmm. suspension, I'm gonna overload the bushes. If I'm gonna, if I if I stiffen the bushes, I'm gonna overload the torsion bars. So it's right. a step by step. You you see what 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 you want to do at that point of time. Fix that, modify that, take it to the track, see where what is the next weak link in the chain, and then you change that, and you change that until we got to a point where we maximize the car setup. You know, the fastest time I did on street tires, and because I I didn't want to spend a lakh of rupees on tires. 
you can get slicks in India or racing slicks or semi slicks in India, but they end up costing about how much? 1.5 lakhs, 1.1 lakh, 1.5 lakhs on just tires, and they last you like three track days. So I didn't want to spend that money. So I stuck to PS4, which is 90, 80, 900 rupees a tire. PS3 is at the point of time. So keeping the tires aside, we we tried to maximize everything from the chassis. Given the current 220, 230 horsepower I was running, once we get to the point where we can't, where I can't push the car anymore, I mean I had peaked my time on BIC. Even after the brakes gave me about four seconds on my time, so that's how much effective the brakes are. Because yeah. you can brake a lot later, you can brake more later, confident, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. you don't have to be afraid in the back of your mind. If the brake doesn't work, then what will happen? With those brakes, unless you do something really stupid, brake will work. Forget about it. You slam the brake, the car will stop. So we maxed our time at about 235 to 234, 235. I think that was the time we maxed out. BIC two sections are only for power. Two sections are only for handling. I mean, BIC so, they they structured the whole BIC thinking that it'll be a F1 thing. Yeah, F1 for sure. No, but you know, I found it a very safe track because you know tracks can be overwhelming for beginners. Like MMRT so, and uh, Coimbatore are extremely overwhelming tracks for beginners. You know, if you go off, you go off. The you may actually yes, slip yes. over. BIC, yeah, it has got so much runoff area. The track is so wide that you can actually begin to begin to push your car and not be afraid that I'll go into a wall. There are I think three spots in BIC which are tricky. Rest all you can just Do whatever the hell you want, unless you do something really stupid, you will not end up in a wall or upside down. So, okay. So yeah, yeah I was. I just wanted to know that how, if I ask you to compare your Tabai to the current car that you have right now, the VRS two four five. So yeah, your Tabai fully modded with the suspension upgrade, CD brake upgrade. Is it at par or is it ahead of the VRS right now? Oh, it's way way ahead. It's way ahead. The VRS is too soft right now. I mean okay. the power delivery. The VRS I think has a better low end because the extra 200 cc. I was sure. 1.8 liter turb, eight liter car with a bigger turbo versus yeah. a two liter car with a smaller turbo. So the power so delivery is better. You did upgrade your turbo there. In the, yeah, in eventually, the eventually. So that, so that was a turbo. Uh, I mean, when you upgraded the turbo, and we talked since you told me that you didn't uh, put in a ECU, a so, yeah. uh, standalone ECU. Did you reflash your ECU as well? Yeah, yeah. We had to reflash it every every. Uh, tuning we did, we had to reflash, and we were sure. using off-the-shelf maps, so it was not so-called custom tunes, as the tuners like to call it. It's something that a calibrator sitting in US or Europe yeah. calibrates for your car, and you just slash it in. And it, the issues today are a lot more, lot smarter. So you give them Definitely. guidance parameters that this is the target that the car is trying to reach, and the issue will figure it out on how to reach the target. So okay. we had bumped. So finally, after the track times got to a peak, we said let's add more power, and that's when all the problems started. You know, stage two in a car is okay. Up to, up to stage two in a car, you can live with daily. You can it'll last you forever. The moment yeah. you go big turbo is when you really need to address all the issues. And for me, I had the experience of in my Evo, my Evo was running a turbo the size of my head, and my STI was running something something called the GT52. I mean, ever of GT40. Yeah. This was this was a bigger compressor, bigger thing, and was tuned to run on race gas. So that thing could hit about 500, close to 500 horsepower wheel, on and about around the same amount of torque on on the on the track. So I knew what would go wrong. So we started addressing all the issues beforehand before we put the turbo on. 
so the the pcv the fueling the what do you call the the pressure control pressure release intercooler all things that you need to have to support a big turbo we did that and it so happened that at that point in time there were only i think four or five cars running in india with this turbo so i was not the first i don't believe in being the first i let other people do the rnd for me i'm very happy yeah, when somebody yeah. is going all nuts on the 245 right now and i'm like okay fine you tell me what breaks then i'll fix mine so i mean th- th- that's how it works you know so we put the bigger turbo on it it ran for about 200 to 500 meters and then through a check engine light and went to limp mode then we figured out the turbo in certain cases was over boosting means okay. that the 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 stock car sensor limit that's this is where i'm talking about sensor limit the sensor limit that i had in the car was up to 2.5 bars including atmospheric pressure okay. so you had you could only the car could only see about let's say 0 to 25 that's your gauge that's your gauge yeah. level 20 20 21 psi 22 psi of boost is the what the ecu could read beyond which okay. if the if the turbo made more pressure than that the car would not be able to read it and the ecu would get freaked out and say you know what i give up limp mode let's turn the turbo off <laughs> so that's what happened so, what, so we, that turbo was running a waste gate right yeah it the, it basically opens the waste gate limp mode is basically yeah, that exactly. it, uh, it runs 100% waste gate duty 100% cycle. waste gate duty yeah obviously we realized there was a map issue we went back to a tuner we worked with the tuner to figure out that yes there's a issue with the sensor it's the car is reaching the sensor's limits so then the next thing to check was whether i'm reaching the sensor's limit because i'm over boosting or whether i i'm running out of fuel so we checked the fueling was okay so then we said you know what let's do a the tuner was apr and they were very very helpful on this on the build of this car they said you know we have a beta file which is a beta map for the car which is using yeah. the golf r 3 bar sensor instead of 2 bar sensor 2 and a half bar sensor you have in your car if you can source a 3 bar sensor we'll send you the file try it out so so long story short we we ran about 7 or 8 revisions of the file till i got all my issues sorted and then the car became what it was and from there it was just about improving traction how to put that power down you're putting about 450 nm of torque in a front wheel drive car what do you think is better since you've worked with you you've you must have worked with ecus and all the standalone ecus you must have known about uh, the chip tuning thing that uh, yeah. a lot of people do in india and pre flashing so what do you yeah. think is the best way to you know go about your car tune it because i've heard from a lot of tuners that don't chip tune it spend a little money go on standalones it honestly yeah so it honestly depends on car to car there are a lot of lot of cars which have their own which with the issues plenty capable of giving you all the features and all the safety factors you need to keep your engine running at an enhanced power level yet give you the reliability whereas there are there are cars in which you you just cannot issue for example if you do a one of the most favorite tuner car platforms in india is the s team right you can't i i am a t13 guy so yeah, i own exactly. an s team so, so you understand what i mean right? it's one of the most yeah. it's one of the most affordable tuner cars you can create a decent amount of power for it you can it's cheap you can buy parts you crash it you break something and buy parts very yeah. cheap i think kunal okay. sharma you guys interviewed he's a very close yeah. friend of mine and his s team is a work of art i mean he really works his ass off on this and it's a good starting platform so in those cars where the issue is not capable of handling and uh two maps or running closed loop or running open loop yeah. 
yeah. you need an aftermarket ECU. But in most that's of the nice. European cars, most of the Japanese cars, which are turbo cars, they generally, the ECU is good enough to map. Yeah, but so what I feel add- is that even if I'm upgrading uh, my turbo, like uh, I still need to change the injectors to, you know, compensate for the duty cycles and all. See, so it, instead it depends, of, if I'm you know, spending money, why not mm-hmm. just get a good ECU so that has a ton of controls there, like a who's lot of ECUs it? that are there in the market. The only question That's is who's going to tune it? Who's going to tune it to bear? Right. So yeah. in today's cars, the, all the cars are more or less, as I would call, auto-tune car. All the factory issues. The way yeah. most of the cars work today are that the tuner is not essentially programming the exact air-fuel ratio or the exact, exact, you know, the whole True. so-called AF, EFI electronic fuel injection curve, as you they showed. Yeah, yeah. You are essentially setting targets. The issues work on targets, right? So you set a boost target that by this RPM, I want this much turbo output. This much turbo. And, and this much turbo output, I want this much. If the turbo output is this much, I want this much air-fuel ratio. And if the air-fuel ratio is this much, I want but, this but much that, of you, advanced you timing or whatever. Loop, right? yeah, for no. that, the thing you Open need loop. a closed loop. Yes, and most of the cars are closed loop now. Everything is yeah. closed loop. Uh, you know, more, the LoRa, for example, I'll give you an example of the LoRa because I know the car. But is it a wideband so, closed loop? That's, no, the, that's the issue. It's that calculated. Exactly. Calculated AFR. Exactly. Calculated so that, AFR. That's, but that's the control you get, I feel. On a wideband closed No, you don't. Honestly, nowadays the cars are very, very advanced. Particularly with direct injection, you honestly can almost 99.9% guesstimate with the O2 sensor how much AFR you're okay. running. So we did the, we did this test. We When we were at uh, there's a, the dyno in Delhi called Speed Sport. And Phil yeah. is a very, very well-known tuner for esteems, and he has a wideband O2. So I was like, you know, we put the car, we put the LoRa on a dyno. I was like, you know, this is my calculated AFR. Let's see what your AFR gauge gauge recognizes. And it was 99.9% accurate, what the calculated AFR was. And this is the issue of a car which is a family sedan, not supposed to be tuned, not designed to be tuned. Whereas the Octavia RS is designed to be tuned. Yeah. So if this issue can do it, modern issues can do it. They are 99. In today's date, unless you want to reduce weight and remove all the other components, remove AC, remove this, yeah. a standalone issue does not make sense. Primarily for three reasons. Firstly, no, there's nobody in India who can tune it properly. There are yeah, not many good dinos in India. Even the dinos that are there, they are either not well calibrated or gives mixed readings. I know this is a controversial statement, but yeah, yeah well, they it's do. Fine, it's fine. Yeah. That's so, and the third, the, the final reason is there is no way nobody to tune it properly. You, there's the, the cost of a standalone ECU does not yeah. justify the amount of gains you're going to get out of it. Unless you're true, building true. a hardcore race car. Like, you know, I have got people, my friend has an S4, which is running close to about 500 horsepower and was 333 stock. So a car which is running 200 horse, over 200 horsepower over the factory design limit is on the, is on the factory ECU with just a, just a, a new software put into it by the tuning company. So tuning companies have come a long way. Definitely. So it's much easier for them also to work on the stock issue than multiple standalone configurations. But then uh, I uh, feel that uh, refl- by reflashing the ECU, the in general, in general, a stock ECU has a lot of fail-safe modes. Yeah. When you compare it to the standalone ECU, that is completely in my control. In my control yeah. as in the person who's tuning the ECU. So yeah. that way I feel it's much more easier rather than actually reflashing the ECU, then figuring out what is the trip that is going to happen if XYZ condition happens. It depends on tuners, right? There are a lot of tuners who just exactly. bump up the bump up the turbo boost and bump up the airfield yeah. ratio. Uh, ECU I mean, that's may not have, how it works. 
you have to know what's happening. Yeah. So I mean, people like APR, Revo, who are specializing in the European cars, right? For particularly the cars that I deal with, they do a lot of R&D. They configure all. Out of the 250 ECU parameters, I'm just taking a wild number. Yeah. They would calibrate 220 of them. 30 would be AC, you know, how yeah. how very cool and pump and all. They would calibrate everything. In those cases, the standard the stock ECU is good enough. In cases yeah. where you are pushing beyond, for example, in my in my car, when I lost, when I could not push, I went reached the limit of the sensor, and we had to do a three bar sensor. The ECU still could not reach three bar. So we have a, we had yeah. to scale, rescale the output of the three bar sensor to reach the two bar limit of the ECU. So the, when in this kind of situation, the yes, a standalone ECU makes sense. But for most of the applications that you're doing, unless you're adding a forced induction to a naturally aspirated car, uh, the stock ECU is good enough. Stock you just need to find enough, a good yeah. good enough tuner who can who takes care of all the parameters, so you don't hit that you know those safety protocols or. They modify the safety protocols. Like for example, on the Gen 3 TSI engine, which is the last yeah. Gen Octavia RS and this RS245, there's a lot of heat management protocols built into it because this car is a slightly different engine than the Lora. I mean, it's same. It's the next generation of the Lora's engine. Lora was a 1.8 Gen 2. It's called the EA AAA generation. This is also an EA AAA, but this is a Gen 3A. So it's a revision revision of the engine. The short block remains the same. The head is different. And this, and because the head is different, they they have done something very unique in this car. Normally, if you guys uh, have been turboing your cars or or you know adding aftermarket turbochargers onto your cars, you know there's a header, the exhaust yeah. header, exhaust manifold, and onto it the turbocharger is bolted on. Yeah. In the in the Gen 3B or sorry Gen 3A and Gen 3 engines, the exhaust header is integrated into the head, so there's no oh. header. So you're essentially no mounting your turbo onto four. Bolt points. That's it. So it's yeah. mounted directly onto the head, so, and there's no so header visible affect, on. So will it not affect? If I'm trying to upgrade my turbo, will it not do? Will it not affect the flange size? Like each and no, every turbo will have a different flange size. There is the there are enough man turbo manufacturers, and this is the beauty of you know the whole wag ecosystem that they affects they design so many cars, and they have yeah. the engine same engine in so many different models of the car that. The larger ecosystem of uh, what you call vendors around them, they gen they create turbos which would bolt onto the same head, same four bolt points on the turbo. Yeah. So, for example, the biggest turbo that you can get for this car is the EFR 13, 31, 17. I know it's a big, it's like the size of my head. And there's one yeah. guy running it in India, and it bolts right on. And the problem that comes with this kind of a head design is that you have entirely integrated head, integrated exhaust manifold. It was done not for efficiency or for for you know more power. It was done for efficiency. More efficiency, yeah. So you are basically It's... having a little bit more scavenging effect in the cylinder because the head is. They do it the according to the acoustics. Yeah, it sounds horrible. It, it's not the nine yeah. two. <laughs> It's more of the harmonics to be exact. Yeah. Right. So then you have the cooling problems, right? Your that entire manifold because it's sitting inside your head and not on outside hanging off, it's heating up the head. There's a cooling jacket which is running across your uh, across the manifold across the head for that particular part, and that's cooling up your heating up your coolant also. So heat management becomes the issue. So all the Gen 3 cars have heat management built into it, and okay. any good tuner would also modify the heat management protocol so your oil temperatures will not shoot up. Yeah. In a turbo car, oil temperature is everything. If you lose oil temperature, so, your car is gone. No matter how definitely. good a 
how good af are you maintain if you can't keep things lubricated your turbo yeah, is toast right. your engine is toast yeah yeah I have lost. I mean, I have I have lost engine because my I have a BMW 320i, which I bought as a I got a very good deal on it. It was a rear-wheel drive turbocharged four-cylinder engine, and I blew the motor. The I bent a rod in the motor because uh, firstly I was running running a mixture of fuels. Like I was running 97 and I didn't couldn't okay. get 97. And BMW advertised in India that this car on the regular fuel, so I ran on regular fuel like an idiot, and I bent a rod. <laughs> Fortunately for me, BMW was nice enough to. what you call give me a warranty on the motor but yeah so lot can go wrong when you're tuning with aftermarket ecus true true and the, you need the, to have that knowledge that okay you need to know that what's happening it's it's about exactly. peace of mind you know a, a a lot of engineering goes into designing a car and design the control exactly. systems of the stock ecu so unless you know exactly what you're doing stick to the stock ecu because there are a lot of control algorithms in there which are keeping even your modified super high horsepower engine in check and in not check. letting it blow yeah, up true. so definitely does that like you know i have we, a we, question yeah go ahead yeah go ahead it's like off topic hmm. but um, like did you hear about the new uh, scrap policy uh, which one the 15 year old cars petrol cars yeah. at 20 yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's yeah. it's silly i mean they have said that there's a policy is there but at the same time i think that there is a confusion is there in which the government is saying if you want you can re-register your petrol cars diesel cars yeah 10 year lifetime in ncr on in most metros and finish yeah. then you sell it off to a tier 2 city but in petrol cars i think they have given us an option of re-registering the car okay. so, so you can re-register the car by paying yeah You pay some okay. amount of the original registration value, and you you can run the car for another fifteen years. So it's so con- that's what people have been doing, except for the re-registration part. They are still running it for twenty years. No, My, exactly. I, I run the AS team. It's been fifteen years. No, I it's actually this. very very weird. You know, my friend, he, he we met at the one of my friends is getting at putting a dyno in Delhi right now, and <laughs> he is. I went to went to pick up some parts from him yesterday, and another friend of mine was there, and he has a two thousand three. C two two thirty CDI C two hundred CDI or something like that one of the C class right and usually the cops don't stop the big cars they would stop an S team yeah. for example but then they they would not know about the the Mercs because they look new and the car looks yeah. brand new so he was stopped and he was he was fined by the cops saying that your car is more than ten years old so you you either you sell it off or you yeah he had to pay a fine and had to go to court and say explain to explain to the judge why he uh, is running a car more than 15 years in, in 10 years diesel car in delhi so people are the cops are aware they're not stupid you know we try to be extinct that the police are a little uh, yeah, still, they don't know as much but they do like in kerala in bangalore people are stopping the supercars for exhaust that's a later latest article that yeah. you know So they know they will stop you and say, "Yeah, your exhaust is put like that." Then they'll say, "They know Acropovic, they know Miltek." Yeah. I've been stopped in the law a couple of times, saying, "Boy, what is put like Miltek put like that? Miltek, what is it? Skoda, why is it written here? If it's factory, then it's Skoda. Why is it written here? Why is Miltek written here? So they sure. know they're not silly. So sure, sure. the awareness is coming. It's not too strong, but yeah, the, the tech is catching up, and people are getting more aware. But then, since like there are people like us who are investing so much in older cars like building them and then there's this new rule coming that you have to scrap your car i mean we cannot we can just build it according to the track spec like i'll only run it on the track i won't make it a daily 
uh, as per Indian law, even modifying the wheels on your car is yeah. illegal. Yeah. So it's just that the cops don't enforce it, and thank you for the thank you to them for not doing that. But the law needs to change before this. Like for example, in the U.S., the new law, which is WTPL or something, some new law which has come up because of which all decat tunes are now turned off. Earlier, even in the U.S., like U.S., I used to run a decat car. My STI was a decat, and I had a removable cat. Even later on, I got a removable cat when I could save enough money to buy one. But it was a decat car. And right okay. before the inspection would happen, I would swap my old down, new downpipe out and put in my old downpipe. And that's how I got to working, you know, understanding it. But U.S. has scrapped the law that you cannot have a car in the U.S., buy a street car and modify it to race spec and say it is for off-road use only. That is no okay. longer an option. So similarly, in India, I think there was a legislation I think last to last government they had put in the scene which you could keep like these hobby cars as you could call them. So all your cars, for example, that never saw the light of day, but that regulation is still in somewhere in the parliament pending, which says that yes, you can keep a old car as a collector's car and luxury car, but you're not allowed to drive it on the street more than X amount of kilometers, or you got to if you're going to use for motorsport or kind of events, you have to put it in a truck and take it trailer. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. But yeah, we don't have the facility. We don't have trailers available. And how much, how many of us can actually afford to buy a trailer afford and then buy a SUV which can <laughs> tow the damn trailer? So it's exactly. a mix of bag. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely there. Coming back to the LoRa, you know, when, when they started building the LoRa, it was more or less the fastest thing on the Delhi streets. Next, except for Ferraris and Porsches, right? I could I yeah. could take on Caymans, the the regular naturally aspirated Caymans. I was faster than them. My friend bought a S4. I literally obliterated his car, like pulled like 20 car lengths. That video is on YouTube. So, but eventually everybody catches up. You know, the Laura, the Tabahi, as we used to call it, it was a name given to the car by my friend who drove it. He's like, oh my God, what the fuck? He had no, he's like, ye kya tabahi hai. So that's where the name came from. So, you know, people get into this ego matches about oh Tabai is faster than your car, Tabai is faster. I'm like, no, you know, there will be cars which will be much faster. You know, Tabahi, the Laura 1.8 TSI was a great engine for its time. It's the it's yeah. it was, I bought it in two thousand what do you go, ten? I bought the car, it's two thousand twenty. In twenty years engine technology has come a lot more ahead. It right. When when the first when the first Octavia RS the new RS came into India, up till stage two the buy was faster, right? Yeah. But that all depends on how fast you could change the gears. If I True. missed a gear, which I'm infamous for missing a gear, <laughs> so yeah. Please don't mischief, mischief while downshifting. Like, I don't don't I, I, but oh but then God. since since I've been I've been a track instructor in the US, so I do know if I fuck up, I know how to mismanage the amount <laughs> of fuck up I do. I put the clutch in, so it's yeah. it's save the gear, save the car also. Save the box. Yeah, save the box. Yeah, I've blown the gearbox by the way. The, oh my the, the, my differential pin broke off because I was generating right. so much torque in the Tawai that towards the end of the car's life, towards I think about a year back, the I was coming back from a drag. I'm kind of a friendly street, legal street race, let's call it. Yeah, <laughs> so I was coming back and I had launched the car too hard and suddenly I heard a tongue and then I see, you know, I lose power and the gears won't engage. And I looked oh, at... Yeah. Pull the car over, see something is spraying on the car, and I thought my, you know, the the rear main seal had gone, but it turned out that I had created a hole in my gearbox oh my because God. the differential was open differential, and the diff pin yeah. was basically 
riveted in and the rivets broke and the diff pin oh, hit my gearbox put a hole through my gearbox fortunately yeah. engine was okay so we rebuilt the gearbox put an lsg in it put it in so yeah no like i said thing let's go so the the skoda 1.8 tsi was a really fast car when it came out yeah. the point which are moderate was potentially one of the best handling cars i could front wheel drive cars you could find but technology moves on engine technology moves on so yeah um so I, i actually just want to shift gears here um no pun intended but no, um <laughs> <laughs> oh i wish i could i'm i'm stuck with automatics now <laughs> but um so you obviously um you know you have a day job with nokia you are the project planning lead there um yeah. and you've been in the role since 2014 i did a bit of linkedin stalking there yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. but yeah. um and you know when we had that initial conversation uh hmm. we siddhant asked you that how do you manage uh that job and you know running a youtube channel so for a lot of people hmm. who don't know prithvi runs a youtube channel which has really interesting content and we'll link the uh we we'll have a link in the description below but and it just comes and you told us something that really stuck with me and it said and you said that it all comes down to mindset so what has that journey been like where you're doing something else in the morning but you're shifting gears again no pun intended and yeah. doing something that you really like on the side and you know something that is uh, is very successful in its own way hmm. yeah. yeah so it's mindset you're right it's about it's about knowing when to draw a line between work and life you know unfortunately in our country at least in my friend circle people are obsessed with the jobs and they make the job their life and they have nothing else beyond the job you know and True. there's nothing wrong in that if you have a good job like if i am if i am a businessman i would want to do that but for me i see the job as a means to an end i'm good at what i do and i'm very good at what i do so i get paid enough but i'm not going to be be obsessed with my job you know it's the means to an end and it's about work culture also it's about the kind of culture you want to build, create fortunately for me i am senior enough to have a team and the team i have is fantastic they are very very good people they are extremely competent they are you give them a task they'll go and do it so having a good team knowing that you know you want to have a life beyond work it's a balancing act but it has a lot to do with how you approach it you know if you want to micromanage everything you will not have time to do what i do if you want to be obsessed with your job you're not going to have time to do what i do if you are obsessed with your hobby you will never earn enough to fund that hobby so it's a balance it's a balancing act you know you need to gauge how much effort you need to put into your work to get what results and how much effort you need to put into your hobby to get what results and balance balance do your you know i i had the special projects for nokia you know business planning and special projects for nokia in india you know not a not a easy role because we are a 1.6 billion euro revenue company just from india right so right. that's the kind of the scale of revenues we are managing so it's it's not a easy job but you have to ensure that you have a good team who are willing to help you and as well as you know ensure that your you're not spending too much time with your hobby also like i know i spend obscene amount of time researching the car parts on the internet you know even before I was, you guys were calling i was looking at uh, how to improve the aero under the car right now so there are a lot of oem both second parts you're looking at 
So yeah, then a message came from my boss saying that, no, I need this thing. I need to see this report. And I immediately switched gears. And when I finished that report, finished off, be efficient at what you do. Do it, do things smart, not hard. Yeah. So it doesn't matter how much time you spend in office. It's about how effective when you are you in office. It's about what you do. You know, I can spend, I can go to office at 10 o'clock, leave at 4 o'clock and do the work of 8 hours. Or I can spend eight hours in the office doing work of four hours. I choose to do the former. My boss is very helpful that way. It's very good to have seniors who respect your personal space also. Like, you know, it's, it's a matter of some people have the elbow to do it. Some people don't. I have it, so I'm exploiting it. Someday, maybe I won't have it, then I'll figure out another way. But there's no golden formula to it. You do, you take life as it comes. You see what works for you and what works for people around you. And you adapt and then you do your own thing in your own time. Yeah. Well, um, so Prithvi, it has been really great talking to you. Uh, we really had a fun session and, you know, again, this th- I really wanted to talk about and explore this last point uh, in itself because, you know, we're doing yeah. the same thing, managing different roles, as you said, and you yeah. just, you just spot on, on how balance is a very important thing. And of course, diving deep into Tabai was another pleasure in itself. So, um, so if you could just, (laughs) (laughs) so if you could just give out your socials where people can find you and we'll just have them somewhere on the screen. Absolutely. So, you know, my email ID is Prithvi at Gmail. So it's very simple. P-R-I-T-H-W-I. I I guess I was one of the first guys to Gmail. So I got my first name (laughs) and my, I think Instagram is Prithvi. It's all linked in the YouTube, in the YouTube channel. YouTube channel is Prithvi Ray. Prithvi Ray is yeah. one word, P-R-I-T-H-W-I-R-A-Y is one word. And everything is linked there. You know, the Facebook and Instagram are linked there. I mean, I try to answer as many questions as people get me. I, I am <laughs> I am not the be all and end all. There's always, there are people who know far more than I do. I just know my platform well enough to be able to talk about the platform that I work on. If you ask yeah. me that, can, how can I make a, can I make a 2JZ engine? I have no idea of that engine. I know the engine is good. I have some basic rough idea, but. I, I only know my platform. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, it's it's a really good platform, and uh, if you're a motorsport enthusiast, do check out Prithvi's uh, YouTube account, uh, YouTube channel, as well as his inst- and reach out to him on his Instagram account. He's really helpful. Please feel free. Please feel free. And he has some really fun content as well. He posts memes, so that's one. <laughs> oh yeah, that's Insta. I memes are very important. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, Prithvi, thank you so much. Hope you keep safe. Hope your family is also doing well. And yeah, you too, guys. Thank you so much for thank you being thank with you. us. Yeah, no problem. Thank thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure thank all you. Fine. All the best for your efforts, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank Bye. Bye. Bye.